Just shut up. If you don't want to watch, then don't watch. Go watch the Raptors and the Knicks. Go do something else. But don't sit there for four flipping hours with your eyes glued to the game and say, Oh, this is so boring. But I can't stop watching. Oh, it's so boring. Just shut the hell up. Oh, okay. I mean, give me a break. If you don't want to watch it, then don't watch it. But don't watch the game and sit there and go, oh, I hate it. That's the worst. And you people that did that, you're the worst. The absolute worst. I don't want to hear any of that garbage. If you don't want to watch the game, don't watch the game. But don't sit there watching the game and saying, oh, I'm so bored. I can't take it anymore. Give me a break. All right, I'm done. What the hell is that? What would you say you do here? It's Stone's Weekly Dose. Very hard to say my name correctly. Like, Brian. Yeah, Brian. What's your deal, man? Your midweek download destination. I like his style. It's a sort of casual elegance. I'm slaying lame and I'm exposing frauds. This is pathetic. This is embarrassing. Mic drop. Turn off the podcast. It's Stone's Weekly Dose. And note to self, don't listen to crappy radio shows like Mike and Trey Wingo on ESPN Radio. And don't die. Welcome into the show, everybody. It is February 6, 2019, the Weekly Dose podcast, available every Wednesday. My name is Brian Stone. You can find me on all social media at Stone On Air. Appreciate you finding the show. I haven't begged or solicited for rating and reviewing and commenting um, on social media. I don't really care if you do it on social media all that much. The rating and reviewing does help through the iTunes or the Apple Podcasts, as I guess it's referred to now, as it really does help in in some way or another. Um, So if you are on one of those apps and you could leave a comment, if you think the show sucks... I would appreciate it. And if you're thinking to yourself as I say this, yeah, Brian, there's not a chance I'm going to do that, uh, but I'll listen anyway. Well, I value your listenership just as much as well. And I uh, don't blame you either. I likely wouldn't stop what I'm doing to go figure out how to leave a comment on somebody's whatever it is out there either. So uh, it's all good. But if it is something you know how to do and you like doing, I certainly would appreciate it. So let's see. This is the supposed for-profit venture known as the Stone on Air podcast into 2019. None of that has changed. One full month in. Check that out. Snap your fingers. And one month of the year is already over. So coming up on the show today, I am going to talk the Super Bowl here a little bit in the first segment and a little CFC. So some football and football in the first segment. The second segment is going to be, um, I'm going to look at what EPB has done here all of a sudden. And as far as they've they've increased all the speeds and they did this big build up and lead up to it, kind of like a campaign with the hashtag happy day, I think they called it. And I'm going to compare that to the way the Titans have handled their season ticketing. And the two are doing something quite similar and it might be tricking others, but it's not tricking me. We'll do that in the second segment of the show. And then the final, this um, this Virginia governor 
that now um, is being asked to step down. I, uh, I'm going to talk a little bit about this blackface thing that I know has always been a thing for the most part in some circles, but these days seems to be much more a bigger deal. And I was going to comment on it back when the uh, Megan, is it Megan Kelly, right, from Fox or NBC or both or wherever, where she got fired for a comment she made that I thought was total fake outrage. And uh, I just at the time didn't think it was a strong enough topic to run with. But now that there's got another instance of... Uh, you know, this kind of thing getting in and, and this deal with the governor is much more deep and, and 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 more disgusting overall than anything Megyn Kelly's ever, ever said. So just kind of touch on that at the tail end of the show. But so as far as the Super Bowl goes, I uh, I love Super Bowl Sunday. I love the entire Super Bowl weekend. It is one of my favorite times of the year. I consider it and treat Super Bowl Sunday the same way that I treat um, that I, that I treat holidays. If, if you think about it, or at least this is how it feels to me, Thanksgiving Day and Christmas Day and um, maybe even a New Year's Day, time doesn't go by the same way as it does on your just average, it's just say your day off on a Labor Day, or a, and maybe that's a bad example because it's another holiday, but um, like just a random Saturday, right? When 1 o'clock and 2 o'clock and 3 o'clock and 4 o'clock go by on random days, you look at those time frames, you, you look at how you lay out your day completely differently. And it, I do that in my head. The perception of it during Christmas and, and Thanksgiving is based around the times that it would be places. And all those other hours in, in the day don't really matter as much, if that makes any sense. Like, they matter, but it, it doesn't matter if you waste them. You don't, you don't look at that 2 o'clock hour the same way you do on certain holidays, or at least that's how it is to me. And so every every uh, Super Bowl Sunday is basically the same for me. I sleep in because it's always after a Saturday night, and I watch NFL films, long version of the Titans-Rams, uh, Super Bowl back from 2000, 19 years ago. And I, uh, I, I lounge around, lay around, and get ready for about 4.30 to 5.30 where I go over to wherever the, uh, whoever's house party I'm going to for the game. Game starts around 6.20, goes for about four hours, get the Super Bowl squares out, get the money out on the table, have a big spread, chit-chat with people, enjoy the day, listen to numb nuts talk about the commercials, and I try my best to keep an eye on what has generally been good football games for the majority of my adult life. And so it's just a day I really, really look forward to. And it's not because I'm, oh, I'm a big football fan. I love football. I do enjoy football, but it's it's just it's that holiday festive kind of spirit of the nature of the day. Everybody's doing something, right? That's the same thing with Christmas and Thanksgiving in this country. Everybody's kind of doing the same thing just in their own way. Even if people who hate football would never watch a second of it are generally still involved in some capacity. They're watching something on television that is based around an alternative to the Super Bowl. It's just a different day, and I really, really, really enjoy it. And I really want a good football game, and that football game sucked. (laughs) That football game was just plain uh, as boring as it could be, and uh, I'm gonna play a couple clips uh, from uh, some shows I've listened to this week that I just thought were uh, definitely worth 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 repeating uh, from Jason Lockenfora from CBS and from uh, Tony Kornheiser and Michael Wilbon from that podcast. Stuff that is uh, only from Tony's podcast that the chances are most people have never heard. Just their their uh, 
Will Bond's take on the game, which I agreed with more, and then the idea that this Patriots team just continues to do what they do over and over again for 19, 18, whatever it is, odd years. It's just, it's not possible. It's, it's, I mean, it's not supposed to be possible what this team is doing. And it was just a couple of years ago, I finally turned the corner and said, you're right. To anybody that I've said, you're crazy, this is terrible, this is awful, and, and I hate these people, this, these teams in this area of the world, New England. You're right. This is, this is impossible. This is alien activity. And I have to recognize its greatness. And I think that happened for me definitively in the uh, two years ago, or was it, when was it? I think it was two years ago, when Jacksonville almost beat them. Uh, in the AFC Championship, and I hate the Jacksonville Jaguars. They're a Titans uh, rival, quote-unquote. We just rival for the two crappiest teams in the AFC South, generally speaking. And I just, I I, I couldn't live in a world where Jacksonville's in a Super Bowl uh, in a year when my team was pretty good, too. I just couldn't, I couldn't live with that. I couldn't live like that. So I watched that game intently and watched Brady come back and the Patriots win that game and then go, I think they won the Super Bowl that year, whether they did or not is not important. It's not to the exact point. The point is, I finally watched it and said, he just did it again. And when I needed it most, he just he did it again. And, I mean, my Super Bowl and the greatest accomplishment I've seen of a Tennessee Titans team in the last 17 years was beating Brady and the Patriots this, this past season up in Nashville in front of my own eyes. Beating their asses, as a matter of fact, 34-10. to 10. You want to talk about something that seems impossible? How did that that team just won the Super Bowl that the Titans humiliated in Nashville earlier this year? And part of what makes this team and this coach, Belichick, and the organization so great is they're able to just roll with the punches and adjust on the fly from week to week to game to game to quarter to quarter to minute to minute. And Tony Kornheiser was talking to Jason Lockenfora from CBS Sports earlier this week. And two parts to this, about a minute and a half each clip. First half, first clip is is Tony asking him more about, less about Brady and Belichick, who we all know are the best. More about how does he assemble these teams? How does he continue to have these teams? that Because you got to have more than just a quarterback and a coach, right? I think he knows at this point who can take it and who can't, who will fit his culture and who won't. Who is malleable enough and pliable enough to buy in and sacrifice mind, body, and soul for this communal goal? And who just isn't wired for it? And I think there's another layer to it where certain guys he will bring in. He needs enough of two different types of guys. Swiss Army Knives, guys who have certain athletic abilities, certain metrics, certain just sort of innate abilities that he can say, all right, I got these 10 dudes who I can do whatever I want with them. And Edelman, you know, we saw Troy Brown over the years. Even a guy like Slater, who to me was probably one of the five or six most important people in that game. Yeah, he trapped the ball inside the 10. And try to find one special teams play that Slater isn't all over. I mean, every punt was dictated to his side. How many times did he down the ball? How much did that guy have to do with the overall game plan and horrible starting position? of the Rams throughout most of it. So it's those dudes, and then it's a couple of guys 
who just have one thing that nobody else saw in them that I think they can do, and I'm just going to use them in that particular role. And that can be some of these older dudes at the end of their careers, the junior say-out types, the whatevers. Um, or, or, like, you look at the rosters of some of these Super Bowl teams in recent years, you know, and, like, the year he got Chris Long or the year he got Barkevis Mingo. It, it's that sort of the melding of those types of people. And then it's just... And then he, I'll just cut it right there. It's and this is where he's in transition, and we're talking about the, uh, the intelligence and having the two best ever, Belichick and uh, and Brady. But it really is amazing. He, he, a lot of those names he just mentioned, I've never heard of. Very good chance you've never heard of. But well, I mean, J- Junior Seau and a couple of those, yeah. But some of them, who, who, what, huh? That's the point. The end of the day, you got to be smart. You got to have a great coach, and you got to have a great quarterback. And the New England Patriots have all three of those things. There's no substitute for brain power. Like, the smartest guy usually wins. And we've got the smartest coach ever with a, a guy in Josh McDaniels who I think is, is, is a genius in his own right. And Belichick can continue to coach up young guys who move through the ranks on defense. And then you've got the greatest quarterback of all time, yeah, and you put yeah. all. And Brady's uh, Brady's a football savant. He's a football genius too, and he's with the only. Like, how many other coaches could continue to to push Brady like this? I think part of the reason that Brady keeps coming back for more is because he doesn't know what we're going to do next week. You know what I mean? He'll have an idea, but it's like, wow, we're just in the middle of the game, going to go to this different sort of two tight end offense that we haven't run all year and win that way, and then we're going to smash mouth people. And then, you know, three weeks from now, I might throw it 50 times. I think that's part of the allure and charm for him because it's always keeping him guessing and keeping him on his toes and keeping his mind stimulated. I mean, at some point, a guy with that ego, a guy who's accomplished all that, with any lesser coach might have been like, eh, you know, let me just leave here and try it somewhere else. There's none of that there. And as much as two years ago people were trying to tell you the sky is falling and here's 5,000 words about the end of the Patriots dynasty, and, you know, that QB and that coach, yeah. they're just different. And they're made for each other. And it's, it's, rem- it's remarkable. We will never, ever, 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 ever see anything close to this. It's two dynasties in one. I tried for so long to, to deny it and to not recognize it, but it is true greatness that just you you will never see again and have never seen before and in any walk of life in any industry in any sport in any competitive nature anything true greatness that likely could not be duplicated without it being completely fabricated is uh is something worth uh giving praise to whether you like what they're doing on the field or in the industry or in whatever it is you're talking about. Admire, admiring it and acknowledging it, I think, is uh, very important for everybody to do because it's just it's it's inspiring in its own way. So, But all that to say, the game sucked, right? The party I was at was fun. That was great. We had the Super Bowl squares going. We had a variety of people with some different whiskeys to try. I went to two parties, as a matter of fact. One more tame for the first half, just friends sitting around the living room. And then the second half, I went uh, to one that was, you know, wasn't wild, but it was more of a traditional Super Bowl party. Both were fun. The whole day was fun. The game sucked and it wasn't because of amazing defense it was just sometimes that happens and this isn't one of those great patriots teams it th- this almost makes it that much more impressive that this not so great team 
won the Super Bowl. Tony and Michael Wilbon talking about the game on Tony Kornheiser's podcast on Monday. The Patriots put on an unbelievably great show of defense orchestrated by the brilliant Bill Belichick. They stifled the Rams at every single turn. They were where they had to be all the time as Belichick. This is a team, the Rams, that scored over 30 points a game. That's not my analysis of it at all, Tony. Okay. I mean, I looked at that. I looked at the, the impatience of both those offenses. The impatience, the errors, the lack of creativity. Maybe they were scared. Maybe they're, maybe it was like the old days when the defenses were so imposing. I've seen great defensive efforts about the steel curtain in the Super Bowl. I love them. Yeah. By my own Bears in the Super Bowl, loved it. I've seen defensive, you know, Minnesota Vikings. When they lost, they still had some great defense. I, I, it, it, I didn't see that. I saw a pass intercepted at the end of the game when the Rams had their only real chance. Yeah. And the pass was a dog. Bad pass. There's, there's, no, there's no amount of Belichickian thwarting that affected that. It was a wounded duck dog. And he went on and on to talk more about how much he thought the game was boring and they were talking over themselves, and I don't want to play too much of anything at this point anyway because I've already played enough. But I agree with that, too. Both things can be true. The everything that Jason Lockenfora just said about this overall body of work is absolutely true. And I believe Michael Wilbon is absolutely true. That game sucked. And it was less about great defense and more about uh impatient offenses and uh boring play calling and just a bad tempo. And sometimes that happens. We've been spoiled with a lot of really great uh, Super Bowl games uh, in the most majority of the last 15 years or so, most of the games have been really good. And the commercials are dumb, and the fact that people sit around getting all worked up about commercials, it doesn't make any sense. Every single day of your life when TV is on, innovative commercials are played every single day over and over and over again. And most people walk around talking about how much they hate commercials, except for when this football game shows up, everybody starts talking about, oh, how cool those commercials are. are. Which one is it? Do you like the commercials or do you hate the commercials? Because one day you say you hate them and can't get can't get away from them fast enough, and the next day you spend you know an entire week water coolers talking and, 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 and falling all over yourself over the new Doritos commercial. Which one is it? Doesn't matter. Commercials are commercials. They're either good or they're bad. It doesn't matter if they're on a football game on a Sunday in February or on June 1st in the summer in uh, on NBC. Whatever. Uh, all right. So, anyway, that was fun. Love the Super Bowl and move on from there. Real quickly here, just to uh, just touch on the soccer wars. This kind of got glossed over about a week ago. Chattanooga Football Club financial report says unauthorized payments went to GM Sean McDaniel. High interest loans were taken out. This was Thursday the 24th from the Chattanoogan. So that was, I mean, that was 10 days ago now. And that I just saw it today or yesterday. And uh, I'm going to read it here mostly verbatim because I already had an idea of this because I had been tipped off by people inside that said that Sean McDaniel might have been spending money improperly. But I didn't have any real, eh, I didn't have authorization to say it out loud. So I'll just leave it at that. It says an auditor's report of the finances of the Chattanooga Football Club says payments in excess of what was authorized by the board were made to general manager Sean McDaniel, of course, who now is with the rival club, the Red Wolves. Likely, you already know all the backstory. If you don't, I'll just implore you to go backwards and uh, do the do, do the backstory for yourself if you care. It says the payments above authorized amounts were 104 plus thousand 
and $34,000 for 2006 and 17, so around $138,000 of payments to himself. The report says, quote, since authorization for these payments was not given, they have been reclassified as employee receivables. Mr. McDaniel resigned. He's now with the Red Wolves. A spokesman for the Red Wolves says we have no comment on this time at this time. The report also says that while Mr. McDaniel was the CFC general manager, that two loans were 64 plus thousand had had interest rates of 25% or more from a cloud-based lender called Cabbage. Never heard of that. Um, Let's see. One loan for 21,000 had an interest rate of 25 and a half. Another loan for 46,000 had an interest rate for 26 and a half percent. The report says that two notes payable to Cabbage were negotiated by a stockholder without approval of the board of directors. The loans were negotiated based on material misrepresentations by the stockholder and the funds were used for unauthorized purposes. The report says CFC stockholder Tim Kelly has loaned 15000 to the club for working capital. None of that loan was repaid. The report from the Henderson Hutchinson accounting firm says CFC had small profits in 2015 and 16 of 19,000 and eight and a half thousand respectively. However, it says the CFC lost one hundred and thirty two thousand dollars in 2017. Hmm. The amount of money that the Chattanooga Football Club lost in 2017 is six thousand dollars different than the amount of money that allegedly was paid to Sean McDaniel unauthorized from the board of directors. I guess it could be coincidental that that happened in the same year. I actually don't guess that. I don't believe that at all. Let's see. Let's go finish this thing off here. It says, it notes in the filing, the club will be facing competition from a new team that has announced it will be playing in Chattanooga, although the club feels strongly that its fan loyalty will sustain its business model. There is risk of lower attendance and revenue due to the competition from the new club. It says last November 8th, the CFC stockholders voted to transfer substantially all assets and liabilities from the company to Beautiful Game, Inc., which intends to continue the operations of the company. And now this that's why this report was was uh, was conducted. If we're maybe all sitting around wondering why is this happening now? Well, it's because of the legalities of transferring ownership, uh, essentially. And then it's just a bunch of legal mumbo jumbo I'm not going to bore you with. But so basically what happened was is that because of the transferring of ownership to the to the people, to the customer base, to anybody who wanted a share, they had to transfer how the LLCs and blah, blah, blah. I'm not going to pretend like I can use all the right jargon. And in that report, whether it's coincidence or not, I you know, I don't know because there was already it within the inside of the walls of CFC there was rumblings and rumors that there was a bunch of money unaccounted for they found that 138 some odd thousand dollars was uh, basically unaccounted for and also on the books the 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 football club lost about that exact same amount of money in the year 2017 again coincidental or uh, mismanagement of funds and could could Sean McDaniel be that dumb is he that dumb that he was doing something that stupid, and then he's also going to try to take on the big bad, uh, the big bad beast that he's trying to do now? I mean, sometimes people, smart people's egos can't—they can't get out of their own way. 
I mean, that happens. You you wonder, like, how could somebody who's that intelligent, I'm not saying this is him, I'm just saying in any setting, how can somebody who's so well thought of, who's so uh, prominent, who's so smart, who's so whatever, how can he do such stupid things? And that's in all walks of life we ask that. It's, it's because of massive ego will always get in the way of intelligence if you can't balance the two out. And that sounds like this might be what this is. But the soccer wars are still alive and well. Games start for both teams here soon. Uh, some friendlies and exhibitions here within the next couple of weeks, I think. And then uh, real games start in April for the Red Wolves. I'm pretty sure that's right. And I don't know when CFC starts, but uh, it's it's all right around the corner. And uh, one of the most fascinating power struggle stories in the history of Chattanooga just so happens to be about soccer. Who would have ever thunked that? Coming up next, I'm going to tell you what I think EPB is doing right now that is the same thing that the Tennessee Titans just did to their customer base. And I'll get to that coming up next on the Stone On Air podcast, the weekly dose for February 6, 2019. I'll be right back. Stone On Air will be right back. This is cool. Stoneonair.com. Essential infrastructure, you know, like roads and bridges and electricity and that sort of thing, they're built with a future in mind. It's a bewildering future, all right. They meet our immediate needs now because we've planned for that extra capacity. When I want to use my toaster, I don't have to worry about blowing a fuse. I don't turn off the lights and I don't unplug my fridge. There's more electricity that's flowing into my house than I can use at any given time. And that's how our networks will work in the future. A single car or truck doesn't need a three-lane highway. No vehicle is three lanes wide. The highways are designed for traffic, many different vehicles. They have to accommodate these different vehicles at the same time. And it's the same thing with our internet infrastructure. No one application needs a gigabit network, but households already have many connected devices. Fast movers like Chattanooga. Oh, pardon me, boy. Yes, yes. Is that the Chattanooga choo-choo? That's the Chattanooga choo-choo. On track 29. They're seeing an influx of entrepreneurs. Now, the big cable and telephone companies are all like, okay, all right, all right, here's a gig. But a gig ain't a gig when the upload is 90 or even 97% slower. That's what the big cable guys are doing in particular. They're pretending to offer a gig. We, we shouldn't accept that. We need to be able to produce big things. And that means we need to upload big things. With cloud services and iPhones recording in 4K video, and we need fast upload speeds. And for that, we need fiber and we need high capacity wireless networks. Frankly, most of us could get by just fine with a 100 megabit symmetrical connection. But the cost to build that network, they're basically the same as building a gig. So let's think bigger. Welcome back to the show. It's Bad Religion. A lazy intellectual. My mommy's on Valium. So ineffectual. 21st century digital boy. Um, so that audio came from Twitter handle at ISLR, at ISLR. I don't have any more information to who they are um, other than a tech um, enthusiast site anyway, or Twitter handle anyway. And, um, and it all makes a lot of sense to me, and that's why net neutrality is so important. 
and that is why the infrastructure is so important. So I'm not trying to hate on EPB for what they're doing with the infrastructure. I think that's a really, uh, really, really good thing, and it has done a lot of things for the uh, for the city. And it was uh, just a real quick uh, mention over the weekend. I was uh, I was doing a lot of uh, hanging out and drinking at the feed with several different people over the course of the day, and we were arguing about things. And I I brought it up on this show before the snarkily and snide ways of well because it was uh, money from the uh, 2009 American Reinvestment Act that funded the uh, the fiber optic and uh, network and the gig and the entire idea, and always just kind of flippantly say. That fiscal conservatives, which are generally speaking Republicans, hate government-funded programs until they give you the fastest internet in the world, and then you're okay with it. I personally think something like the fiber optic network and the gig here is a perfect use of taxpayer money, and I'm glad to know that my money has gone to help that infrastructure. Now, that's not what this segment is about. This segment is about EPB is about to raise your prices once again while this entire campaign that they just did, the hashtag happy day on uh, February 1st, was all about the fact that they're not raising prices. Well, I'm here to tell you that they indeed are going to raise your prices. I will come back to that in a minute. I am a Tennessee Titans season ticket holder. I love going to Titans games. I am proud of it. I wanted, I want these in my family or in my friend circle because I love the seats and I love to support the team because I'm less of an overall football fan and more of a Nashville and Tennessee fan. And any reason to go to Nashville is a good reason in my book. I've been paying for these uh, as a as a season ticket holder with a friend of mine since 2013, but I have been purchasing these seats from the former owner of the season tickets since about 2007. So I've been maybe even six. I've been going to these same seats and these same games for well over a decade now. And I know the pricing ever since the first time I purchased one of these tickets. And I'll get to those numbers uh, specifically here in a minute as well. But I noticed something here recently that I didn't put two and two together until the Titans had such a massively huge price increase on me for 2019. I noticed that there was lots, I was getting lots of extra emails. I was getting lots of extra perks. Every year they send you a gift box. It's usually after Christmas. It's usually, it's not really a Christmas gift, if you know, per se, but it is a yearly box that comes in once the season's over. And it's got stuff like coasters and football, like a football, um, a bobblehead almost every year. I had a cutting board this year. Anyway, sometimes there's ball caps in there. I can't remember. It's pretty cool. I mean, it's one of the one of the perks. One, they want to keep you spending all that money every year. And uh, I noticed this year that the box, the swag box, if you will, was much bigger. And there was really nicer stuff than normal. I was like, this is pretty damn cool, man. Hell yeah. Thanks, Titans. I mean, you sucked again on the field. And we continue to have bad players and a bad management overall. I mean, that jury's still out on the new uh, the new staff right now. But oh, at least you're still, at least you're taking care of me, right? And then so the, the draft comes. And I'm getting all these extra emails saying, because the draft is going to be there in April, NFL draft. And they're saying, like, look at all these season ticket perks you get. And then I there was two or other three, two or three other open houses at the stadium for exclusive only to season ticket members. And I'm like, man, these... There's a lot of cool stuff going on. This is pretty awesome. And um, all kinds of exclusive access at the NFL draft. 
And um, not thinking much more about it other than, you know, they're making me happy to be a patron of this of this product. And then I get my bill for this year's tickets, the renewal bill. And it is up nearly 20%. So what do they do? They butter you up. They tell you how great everything's going to be, how much stuff they're giving you, how well they're treating you. They've also started a tiered pricing system as opposed to a flat pricing system for every game. And they lead with preseason tickets are down 40% and then all the other mumbo jumbo and some tickets will be discounted rates. At the end of the day, it doesn't matter. You can can trick people all you want. You can put little flashy things out there to distract them from the truth. The end result is that my season tickets for the Tennessee Titans in 2019 are going to cost me $102.50 a ticket, $102.50 a ticket, and that's supposed to be the discounted rate, and it is the discounted rate based on the definitions of the way they do their pricing. I don't sell my tickets generally. I give them away if I don't use them. All I care about is the bottom line. So there's 10 games, including preseason, and at the end of the day, I split it with a friend in Nashville, but for each of us, it's $102.50 per game, meaning a little over $2,000. 10 years ago, the first time I bought those same seats for a Titans game from a season ticket holder that I eventually purchased them from later were $64.50. When I first got the season tickets in my name in 2013, they were $78. There was a jump of four or five years ago to I think it was $85, and then last year it was $89. Now it's $102.50. And this team has done nothing but lose and disappoint year in and year out. But what have they done this past couple of years? They've been a little bit better. They've been sending better gifts. They've been giving better perks. They've been giving more percentages off in in your emails. And they've been sending you text messages and making you feel how awesome you are and talking about how great everything is. And then, boom, they throw a 20% hike or it was was 14 15 16% hike on the tickets. All right, fine then just don't buy them if you don't want them, right? Well, of course I'm going to buy them because I still want them. Back to EPB. That's what they're doing right now. EPB has been steadily increasing their pricing on their cable packages for years, years and years. And it has by far been the superior product for cable and internet services since they came into the market and established themselves within, you know, when they firmly got established, I don't know, what, five, six years ago? When they first came, limited availability as far as where it could go, how many channels it had, but it always did have the fast internet. Well, now they're completely competitive on the cable side. I still pay for GD cable TV. I'm just stupid. I still haven't got around to getting rid of it. Just stuck in my traditional old old ways. But I am now paying $170. It's over $170 a month for cable and internet. And it that is up, I'd say, in the neighborhood of 20 bucks over the course of the last three, four, five years. And so there has been a steady increase consistently. Well, now they have hashtag happy day, right? That just went down on February 1st, and they're doing all these commercials, and they're having all this, this big, huge campaign and social media blast and email blast and 
commercials during the Super Bowl here locally that look at this incredible internet that we've increased the speed just because we love you and you're such a great customer base and we love Chattanooga, Gig City, best town ever. Just ask us, we'll tell you in some magazine and some bogus poll. We're so awesome. We're giving you even faster internet that you really probably don't even need necessarily, but we're giving it to you because we love you and you deserve it. And I'm not buying that mess for a second. They are absolutely going to increase prices. I wouldn't be surprised if it was within the next quarter. The average asshole walking around's attention span is absolutely nothing. The forget everything about this old hashtag happy day and all this. We're not going to increase your rates. And that's a bunch of nonsense. They're absolutely going to increase your rates. And this is purely speculation on me. This is the same kind of concept that the Titans just did with me on the tiered pricing. Well, this ticket costs you much less, but this one costs you much more because it's premium. I have a feeling we're about to go that direction, and that's what EPB is setting us up for because cable subscribers are falling off left and right. They continue to say we do not increase the price of our internet, which mine is just under $60, but I pay over $170, meaning the cable package, the worthless worthless cable package that I pay for is a little over $100 a month. How many people are still paying that? Probably enough for them to keep it afloat for now. They're moving to a new angle where they're going to be charging you the way you use your internet, and this is why net neutrality was so important. Remember when they came out and were like, oh, no, we'll never throttle the speeds. We'll never restrict your access anywhere we're epb and we're great they did it then the same thing i'm telling you they're doing now telling you what you want to hear because you're going to forget about it anyway it won't be long before that cable package is gone and internet tiers start to take over and you start paying for what you want i mean some people might say that's good some people might say it's bad i'm not necessarily necessarily saying it's either good or bad at this point I'm just telling you that that's what they're doing. They're setting you up for the new models where they're going to inevitably figure out a way to make more money off you. No company, even if they're government subsidized, no company ever is trying to make things cheaper for you. They're always trying to figure out a way to make more money off of us collectively. That's how capitalism works. That's fine. That's what it is. I'm all right with it. I just, you know, I just like to try to make sure I understand what's going on around here. No one's knocking off some money just because they feel like making less money today. It's not how it works. And I see a complete infrastructure change as far as how you are charged, how your billing cycle is, how your uh, your connectivity to your house, to your to the internet once it becomes completely the which it pretty much already is the norm certainly in most affluent areas of the United States of America. And that's what EPB is setting us up for, to tell us how great they are, how great they're doing things for us, and not charging them for us for it for, for now. For now. Until they eventually realize that they're losing money on this ridiculous cable package. And all you got to do is just you know look around and hit some Google searches. Fox and <clears throat> excuse me, Disney and ESPN and all these collective conglomerates and how they distribute their content, it's now all getting away from these cable packages and all being in, through Hulus and Netflix and through subscription services. That's I mean, It doesn't take a lot to figure out and understand that that's happening. I don't, I don't think I'm telling you anything you don't completely already understand, but it's going to change the way things are priced, the way things are delivered, 
the uh, the overall availability of certain p- portions of the internet potentially just like the beginning of this segment talking about you don't build a road just big enough for one car you build a road big enough for the amount of cars you think that are going to be on it it's the same way with the uh, the, the internet superhighway as we always just cliched call it and that's why net neutrality is so important and i'm not going to get into that right now cuz i always have to go refresh myself on on the the, the pros and cons of uh, of that topic, so I won't get into that all that much right now. But it's this is the next big wave. This is the next big big thing. And EBB is a smart company, funded by a lot of government money, uh, who are trying to do things to make the information um, easier to get and and ways to charge as much as they can, is make as much money off of it as they can. And that's fine. Good for them. That's what they're supposed to do. But you can also go, and this is completely mostly off topic. We can also say, what in the world is the government doing involved with uh, with supplying you faster internet? I think that I, I'm glad they do it. I think they should. But that argument should be out there from the person who doesn't want the government funding the uh, these kinds of programs. But um, I think it's great. But I also think they're tricking you. They're pulling the wool over your eyes, and they're making us all think that this is man, just keeping this cheap and so easy. No, you're changing the entire infrastructure here. Eventually, you just don't want to tell anybody about it. Because you don't want anybody to truly understand what it is that you're about to do. Now, I'm not mad about it. I'm not mad at EPB. I'm not mad at all. I just want to talk about it. This is a weekly dose for February 6, 2019. Coming up next, blackface. And I'm going to give you a story of uh, something that happened at Halloween many years ago. And talk about this uh, Virginia guy and Megyn Kelly and this whole uh, what is and isn't racist. We'll make this one short and sweet and wrap up this week's show. My name is Brian Stone, and this is the Stone On Air podcast, your midweek download destination every Wednesday. And I'll be right back. Coming up. I'll go ahead and make sure you get another copy of that memo. At stoneonair.com. We begin today with the national lead and some breaking news for you. The Commonwealth of Virginia and the political world in general have been thrust into chaos. Virginia's embattled Democratic Governor Ralph Northam begging aides today to give him more time to decide whether he will resign. The controversy erupting Friday after this photo showing a man in blackface and another in a KKK outfit was discovered on Northam's medical school yearbook page. CNN has just learned that in a meeting with his cabinet this morning, Governor Northam said if he resigns now, who would, he would be doing so as a, quote, racist for life, and that Northam wants time so he can clear his name. And the only way to do that is to stay in office, according to a source inside that meeting. This is all despite near universal calls for him to step down from top Democrats across the country, from Schumer to Pelosi, Warner to Kane, Biden to Clinton. In fact, we cannot find any current Democratic office holder who has called for Northam to stay put in his job. Jake Tapper and CNN is where that audio comes from. And I guess this is uh, Maroon 5. I mean, I don't guess. I know it is. But I didn't know who they were or I wasn't familiar with any of the songs until that... uh, just ridiculous Super Bowl uh, halftime show. The Super Bowl halftime show is always stupid. Even even when, well, 
The Who and Tom Petty were both fun. The Who didn't sound great. It's just it's just not a good place to be to try to sound your best. You know, inside of a massive football stadium that's where your stage is con- constructed or, you know, put together in, you know, a minute and a half. I know there's sound checks and all that stuff going on for weeks leading up, but that's still not an ideal setting to be performing. And when you try to just outdo yourselves every year and add all kinds of bells and whistles and and and, and uh, cameos and appearances, it's just like, come on, man. These guys, they look... They, they looked like they didn't know why, why they were there. They looked bored. Uh, it looked boring, kind of like that entire football game was boring. But uh, I was like, oh, this is Maroon 5. Okay, cool. Now I uh, now I know. I mean, I knew that dude, Levine, was on that show, you know, whatever that karaoke, who's got the best voice show. I'm not completely unaware of who they are. I, uh, at the end of the day, just don't uh, give any uh, you-know-what about who they are. So let's see a couple of things here. So I, I don't care for one second, for one minute, for one split second, who the uh, governor of Virginia is. And I don't care if it's a Democrat or Republican, doesn't mean anything to me. First question I have here is, of course, this guy you heard just from the report there had some Halloween party or something from the medical yearbook when he was in, I guess, I'm guessing college. And one of them is in, in the blackface and... One of them is in a Klan uh, suit, and I guess that's what they did for Halloween that year. I don't know. Again, what do I, I want to tell you, Halloween, that's where the dullards get exposed. Uh, this is clearly, at one point in his life, quite the, uh, quite the dullard. But my first thought is, my first question is, how does something like this come about now? This guy's, I don't know anything about him, but he, I've seen pictures of him on TV and seen him on, on camera. He's an old guy. He's been around for a long time. This yearbook thing had to have been looked at at times over the years and if you're going to get involved in political office how could it possibly not have ever come up through anybody in any circle that this is something we should try our best to keep out of the reach of anybody i mean maybe that's naive to say maybe that's uh if it's out there it's it's just going to be out there because of the digital world we live in but i i don't know that's so that's just my first thought my second thought is is less about okay the clans thing i you know there's there's just no excuse in that way i mean there's just nothing you can say about that but i've i've been wondering about this the blackface thing and and i probably should do a little more research and certainly should have done it before i did the show but uh life gets in the way and i don't have time to just research everything i want to look at any time before the show starts I, since it was a story this week, and I'm sure as hell I'm not going to talk about the State of the Union address on Tuesday night, I figured I'd go with it because I had these same thoughts when Megyn Kelly said something um, on her show that got her fired. Now, she makes a ton of money. When she got fired, no one's feeling sorry for her. She got paid all her money. But she said something along the lines of, when I was young, this wasn't a big deal. It was something like that. And she's not a lot older than me. And I thought, Kind of the same thing she did when I was young, painting your face black for some reason in a in a in a costume setting because you were being a uh, you were dressing up as a character who or a uh, fictional or otherwise that was either an African American or just a character or a person of a darker shade of skin, and that went along with the way that you uh, off. I guess, tried to have an authentic costume. Now, again, 
I don't dress up for Halloween. Think it's dumb. Don't encourage any adults to do it. But I've seen it happen before, and I didn't used to think, and I'm not, I'm not sure how much I think about it now, that how racist that is. Uh, I do believe there is a level of fake outrage here. I think there's a level of fake outrage in almost everything in our day-to-day social media-dominated world. And I know there's going to be some liberal friends of mine that think, oh, Brian, how could you say that? Well, I, I just I, I just don't believe people. I don't, I don't believe people have um, uh, genuine, authentic thoughts. I think they regurgitate the garbage they see online. I'm mad about this today. Black. He painted his face black. He should be fired. Fire that person. Now, in the picture with the clans hood that's different so i i'm only bringing it up now because i was gonna bring it up in the past and i never did because i thought the exact same thing that Ke- that megan kelly said and my first thoughts were yeah i agree basically yeah nobody nobody said anything about that nobody that, that wasn't something that people got outraged by and maybe it was uh because of ignorance and and a, a naive you know, white privilege upbringing, maybe, maybe, uh, that definitely could be the case, but I'll use the example. And this is another reason why I brought this up this specific time is that recently I, uh, did a kind of a spring cleaning style cleanup around the house in a few areas. And one of them was the bathroom and shocking news. I'm not the tidiest person in the world. And I was going through the little cabinets that I have that I rarely open. And I found a tube of face paint the color of what would be, you know, a brown-skinned African-American color. And I remembered why that was there. My roommate at the time, who is actually the guy who lives in Nashville, I just put this together in my head, who uh, who I split the Tennessee Titans tickets with. It, it, it's, it's that same guy. He lived here 10, 12 years ago. Uh, and just, you know, went back when I had roommates and a bachelor pad. And he dressed up for Halloween one year as Tiger Woods. And at the time, and I still think now, looking back on it, it was a very good costume. He had that black hat with the white Nike swoosh. He had the red shirt. He had the slacks. He had the golf shoes. He had his golf club. He is an avid golfer. And he put the black face on, and it was a hit. We were at the Chris or the Halloween parties, excuse me, and the I don't know if we went to do contests or not. I'm not sure, and I know what I already know what one of the arguments is. Well, yeah, it was probably a, a party full of white people. Well, I don't know, maybe I'm not sure, but there's not anybody walking around at that time thinking that this is offensive. Is that offensive now? I I I don't know. I honestly don't know, but it was uh, just funny that I happened to stumble on that tube of of uh, face paint. And it got me thinking about that, that, yeah, there wasn't anybody in any setting that was going to think that there was anything inappropriate about that, at least not in the culture and the societal norms that I was used to. But that doesn't mean that the that other cultures and other uh, societal norms that I'm not familiar with wouldn't find that to be uh, to be degrading or to be offensive. In this setting, I mean, he's he's dressing up in character as a very prominent, rich black man. I, I find it hard to, to, to find an offensive notion to that, but that doesn't mean that somebody might not. And many of these other blackface stories and things you see in pictures and, and situations you find, 
tend to be of a what looks more like a poor black young boy from the deep south and from um, areas of time when uh, there was lots of of uh, prejudice and um, and racial tension and uh, and all the way back to to slavery days of of where rights were not a thing. So I, I get all that. I just I, I don't know where the line is, and I just. Uh, it's just another one of those. Why is everybody so damn offended by everything? And I think a lot of it is um, is absolutely fake outrage. But this guy, this 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 idiot, who's the the governor of Virginia? Yeah, you got to go, dude. Like, uh, I don't know what what your past is. I'm not sure, but this is a bad look. And um, you, you certainly, if it was just the blackface thing, I would I would consider it and look into it more if I cared enough. But with the Klan hood there standing next to it, not a lot of uh, not a lot of getting around that one. And again, I don't care who the hell the governor of uh, Virginia is. It doesn't have to be that dude. All right, that's it. I'm going to put the wraps on things. Coming up um, real quick, if you uh, happen to be free on February 11th on a Monday night, I am taking uh, part in a take note, what would you call it, panel, I guess, over at the Grand Falloon at 6 o'clock. I think it's a few bucks to get in, but there's I've, I've been once before. There's I think there's some food, and you can purchase uh, alcohol while you're there, and it's for the local music community, and it's going to be me. I'm going on strictly memory here. I'm sorry. I'm going to mess some of this up. Chris Cobb, who runs The Signal, Mike Dewar, Dixie Fuller from Riverbend, me, and Courtney Holder. Courtney Holder, a local musician, and we're I guess just we're going to do some Q&As and talk about the music industry here locally as uh, most of the bands are going to be performing at the Road to Nightfall. We'll be uh, in attendance for this, and anybody who wants to know any more about local um, venues, how to potentially put on festivals, how to, uh, you know, how how the industry works. If you're just interested or curious to what it's all about, that's what these panels are for. They're called Take Note, put on by Soundcore, soundcorps.com. Org, I believe is what it is, and uh, I was really, uh, I, I was very, very uh, happy to be asked to participate in that, and that is at the Grand Balloon on February 11th. Let's see, what else, what else, what else, what else? I left my Facebook page open again at work, but luckily I didn't get fired this time. That was one thing I didn't, didn't get to. I'll save this for another time. I was at Clyde's on Friday night and, and was around what I'm calling, I guess, the new millennials, which was uh, rather annoying, just meaning much, much younger millennials. I don't know what they've called that generation. And that's about all I got. We'll see you on the radio Monday through Friday, 3 to 7 on Alt 98.7, alt98.com. Be sure to download the mobile app and rate and review this podcast if you feel like it. If not, that's cool, too. Y'all have a great one. We'll do it again next week. Y'all take care. Goodbye.